Hello there. It's the biggest weekend in the Gaelic football season as Tyrone and Mayo battle it out for Sam. What a game we have in store. It's also All-Ireland Camogie final weekend with Cork and Galway going head-to-head after exciting senior semi-finals. The stakes are high as we face into the last weekend of the championship and it really could go either way. It's a Mayo dream that never dies. It's a huge challenge playing Tyrone but again it's one we look forward to and, and, and certainly embrace. Tyrone have beaten the hot favourites, the kingdom of Kerry. It's a major, major occasion. Mayo are well experienced and we will hope to have a good competitive game and may the best team win. May the best team win indeed. Three-time All-Ireland winner Enda McGinley gives us the Tyrone view and some insight ahead of the big match. Keith Higgins is at the tactics board for the last time this season to analyse how Mayo can finally end the famine. And former Limerick Camogie star Aoife Sheehan runs the rule over Cork and Galway and the other two finals as they prepare to do battle in the Camogie final. Yeah, and it's with Camogie we start. I'm delighted to be joined by former Limerick Camogie player Aoife Sheen ahead of the big final. And Aoife, it's a Cork versus Galway. It's an exciting final lineup, isn't it? It really is, um, Damien, you know. And if, if you look at Cork, like Cork, I think are going in as slight favourites. Um, a tag that Paddy Murray doesn't want them to have, I think, just <laughs> judging by, you know, reading a few articles during the week. But look, they've knocked out the reigning champions. They've knocked out Kilkenny. They in what was a really, really exciting and dramatic game um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, at Croke Park. Um, you know, Linda Collins, the sub, came on, captain, you know, fired over the winning score. Um, you know, the sending off of Orla Cronin in the last few minutes. You know, there, there was loads of drama, loads of action in that. But Cork did really well. You know, they were five points up, went two down and then you know, hung on to win at the very end. So I think it showed great character from them. Whereas if you look at Galway's display against Tipperary in, you know, the same fixture in the, in the other semi-final, a very fractured display, you know, they, they didn't ever really push on and kick on. The scores were hard to find. Tipperary had a lot of goal chances, you know, and I think I spoke to you before that game thinking that, that Tipperary were in with a right chance of winning that game, you know, and had they taken their chances, you know, they could, they could have got over the line. But... I think that game really shows as well that if you run at the, the Galway defence and run at, you know, especially in, in their full back line, that you could get joy. And, you know, with the Cork forwards that they have, the likes of, you know, Amy O'Connor, who is lightning pace, you know, they could get joy in that and, and get some goals. So it's it's going to be a really, really fantastic game. Um, I'm really excited for it as well. The last time we chatted, Aoife, you mentioned to me that Tipperary could push Galway all the way. I I, I did listen to you. I was wondering if that would come true. And on the, on the day itself, I felt that maybe probably a poor goal to give away and as you say some missed goal chances plenty of running at the Galway defence Tipperary could have done it as you said Aoife will that be a massive wake up call for Cottle Murray's side now ahead of Sunday's final or is it too big a problem to fix in too short a time I think it is. Look, Galway have quality like all over the field, you know, and, and that day I think it was it was Aoife Dunahoo and it was Neve Kilkenny that drove them on, you know, and, and got them over the line. But they they, they won't, you know, they, that was I think a really good wake up call, as you said. Um I think that playing Cork, they love playing each other, these two teams. Now I don't think they like each other on the pitch very much. I'm not saying off the pitch, I'm sure they're all great friends and everything. But in the semi final of the league even this year, you know, it went to extra time. There was penalties at both ends, there was a sending off. Like, you know, Galway got over the line that day. If you look back to 2019, the semi-final in, in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick, a real testy affair, you know, it, and the same referee is going to be refereeing again on Sunday. Galway got over the line that day. And in a similar way, you know, after, you know, the final whistle went, that was their All-Ireland for them and they kicked on and they won. You know, look, and, and Cork haven't been far away in the last few years. They haven't been in the final since 2018, which is a bit of a famine down a lee side in terms of camogie terms because, you know, they are they are the camogie queens. Look, they lead the role of honour. They have 20 
58 titles up against Galway's three. Um, but I just, I just think that it's, it's not, it's going to be a spicy affair anyway, definitely. And I, I just think that it's, it's only, it's only, there's only going to be a point or two in the difference here. It's, it's going to be a war of attrition again on Sunday, I think, between them. You can't rule out what Paddy Murray uh, brings to a side either, Aoife, I would imagine. And I just maybe felt that we were looking at a little Galway-Kilkenny mini-rivalry taking off for four or five years. But that hasn't happened. Uh, were you surprised maybe with how Cork came over Kilkenny? Because maybe not a lot of people imagined they were at that level just yet. Yeah, and with their young players as well. Like, but but I think there have been question marks over Kilkenny all year. Um, you know, and like in the league, Kilkenny they, they really stuttered. Now they won the league, but but they found it hard to get over Limerick. You know, it took them till the very end to get over Limerick in the quarter final. The same with Tipperary. Tipperary had everything done, bar getting over the, the line. You know, to beat them in the semi final, they just couldn't they couldn't get the win. Yeah. Um, and then in the league final, it was a a good half an hour display. Um, that Aoife Doyle goal in the second half against Galway that, that got them over the line in it. So there definitely are question marks over, you know, how good were Kilkenny this year? And look, it's very hard to put all our, our titles back to back. That's why the last three, you know, mm. we've got Cork in 2018, Galway 2019, Kilkenny 2020. It's very, it's, it's very difficult. Um, Cork are probably, the, you know, the, the team that, that, that can do back to back and have done it in, in the past, but it, it, it proves very hard. But I think Cork are in a similar place um, to where they were back in 2015. So Cork won the All-Ireland in 2014 they had the likes of Anna Geary, you know, Joanne O'Callaghan, Sarah Hayes, they all retired in 2015. You know, so Paddy then brought in the likes of, he brought in Hannah Looney, Amy O'Connor. Um, I try, and, you know, there was a few more brought in then and, and he won in 2015 with those girls. So I think there's a very similar feel to it and a very similar script that he has, you know, the likes of the Laura Hayes and he has, you know, the Saoirse McCarthy and, and um, you know, a few yeah. more of their younger girls, Kiro Sullivan. They're all only 19 and 20 years of age. So it's it's very similar. And that's what Paddy does best, I think. I think he brings in young girls he gets the best out of them and you know he can he can just change things around very very quickly um so it's it's going to be you know it's going to be the experience i suppose of galway who've been who've been there thereabouts and look under cahill murray he's done a fantastic job with them he's got them to three all irelands in a row you know since he came on board in the middle of 2018 so it's it's going to be you know the experience of galway up against kind of some of the young guns mixed with experience in cork so it's it's just really intriguing it's going to be a great game Aoife, can you expect the experience of sarah dervin and katrina cormican maybe to encourage the team well depends what the manager wants but almost to drop back a little bit more maybe even from midfield backwards to, to kind of close off that space that was made available for Tipperary and could that be a solution or do you just invite your opponents onto you if that's the case yeah, like I can see Katrina Cormican now picking up Chloe Sigerson. Like Chloe Sigerson had freedom of Crow Park the last day, really, you know, and she got brilliant long range frees, but you'd be kind of wondering, you know, who was marking her. So Katrina Cormican did a brilliant marking job on Ann Dalton when they won in 2019. So I think that's, that match up there will be key. Um, I think Sarah Durvin might actually be loose for a lot of, of Sunday I think Shawna Healy might pick up Amo, Amy O'Connor and that might free out free up Sarah Durvin to kind of you know pick, like man the space in front of the goals and try and mind the house a little bit because they definitely need her um, you know blocking out that space as you said because you can't afford to give Cork a sniff of any space because they'll just punish you and, and especially the likes of Amy, Amy O'Connor like she's lightning fast she she just has gears to burn and you know you don't want her facing down um, you know Sean Healy on, or Sarah Healy on her own in, in the uh, in the Galway goal definitely Aoife two last questions for you briefly enough uh, we had a, a, an epic ladies Gaelic football final last weekend how important is it then as a spectacle to get a good crowd in to have a good game to, to watch as well 
Oh, that mead, mead win last weekend, David, it was, I think everybody um, was just, you know, willing them on. And that's absolutely no disrespect to Dublin. They were brilliant champions, obviously. But I think everyone loves an underdog, a kind of mighty duck story, don't they? You know, that, that uh, you want to see the challengers do well. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's really important for the Camogie Association to get to get a good crowd in. I think it's going to be difficult. You know, it's it's probably more difficult now for, for um, people to bring bus loads even, you know, with, with COVID yeah. and everything else. But hopefully they will get a good crowd um, at the game and and hopefully look the game is is um is a good spectacle and and all the games um because sometimes I suppose you know depending on tactics and everything else they they can be cagey affairs in in Croke Park um but hopefully look we'll get we'll get really good games on Sunday okay Aoife thank you so much for your time that's Aoife Sheehan former Limerick Camogie star on the championship. Okay, all thoughts turn to the All-Ireland football final now and delighted to have three-time All-Ireland winner with Tyrone and current Antrim manager Enda McGinley with us. Enda, thank you so much for your time. A huge, huge game. What's the buzz like in your home county? It's massive, Damien, I have to say. It is absolutely massive. It feels, I suppose, as a player back in, in the noughties when, when we had our initial breakthrough and it was, as a player, I suppose, you, you isolate yourself, but certainly you picked up the vibes and from speaking to from to people afterwards it was just such special times it feels every bit like that now again it just feels so new and so fresh it feels sort of it's, it's, it's something like Christmas if you know what I mean you're <laughs> yeah. thinking it. and I think I think for everybody the fact that it's thrown mayo the fact that it's new two teams we don't really know what we're getting from a thrown point of view we feel with every chance and obviously the buzz from the the lads performance in, in the semi-final has really lifted everybody's spirits and, and so we're going down for Really looking forward to, to what could be a fantastic occasion. And it's anybody's game. And uh, just looking Absolutely. since the, yeah, just looking since the semi-final and looking at the conditioning of the team, the defence, the turnovers, but the way they expressed themselves going forward as well. However, just looking at the cuttings from the, the press night since then, it reminds me of your team, Enda, whereby there's a little bit of an edge there as well. Their backs against the wall. Uh, I'm not saying the team needs that, but does it help the Tyrone <laughs> psyche? Because it certainly appears to have emerged in the last few weeks. Everybody is against us. Big style, Damien. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I suppose it's not necessarily everybody's against us. Like, even Tyrone people would, would find it hard to, to begrudge Mayo and a Ireland title at this stage. And given what Mayo have brought what Mayo have brought to the game like Mayo were, were almost the time the, the only team putting it up to Dublin the only team presenting sort of brilliant occasions so Mayo have certainly done their bit I suppose from a, a throne point of view you speak of the psyche absolutely we have a bit of an edge that we love being on the dog we love being up against it and our most famous victories were always when we were up against the odds and produced massive performances and it always brings the best out of us that's something that's great but coming into a match like this, I don't think the, the sense that everybody's against us, I think that's absolutely fair. You can understand that all bar maybe Galway maybe would be pretty keen on a Mayo victory. But from a drone point of view, I suppose for those players, there will be no perception that somehow those Mayo players deserve it more than the drone players. Mayo as a county, absolutely, they they deserve an All-Ireland title but for those individual players they have no All-Ireland medals in, in that throne dressing room and they've lived under the, the shadow of the Naughties team and everybody talking about ah oh, they're not as good as the Naughties team for me their performance in the semi-final was as good as anything that, that the team that I was lucky enough to be a part of ever produced and them boys for me in the semi-final performance have earned their 
stripes. It's their time to go on and, and get their All-Ireland medals because they have none at the minute, just the same as the Mayo group. So that perception that somehow Mayo deserve it more will, will rankle a wee bit in the throne dressing room. And I'd imagine they'll use that. And this is as their time as much as the Mayo time. Absolutely, the Mayo story, we're all aware of it well aware of it if Mayo win it you'll be delighted for them in many ways but for those thrown boys chances of a learning medals are few and far between they've had their own hardships they've served their own time and from a throne point of view I would love to see them go on ahead and do it and uh, do matchups I know I'm, this sounds like a stupid question do matchups make a huge difference for Sunday's final because I just expect mayhem really but in terms of who Connor Myler and Kieran McGeary pick up because the reason I ask you that May will be looking to target those two guys as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like matchups were massive in the semi-finals, and they are a massive part of the game. But you're only really trying to get those two or three players uh, that really yeah, cause maximum damage. You're trying to get them shut down. The interesting thing about both of these teams, like a lot of your key players, the likes of your Lee Keegan, the likes of your Paddy Durkin, those players might be doing the matching up and Trone are looking that they need covered and then Mayo are using them to cover key Trone men, like the likes of Mailer and McGeary that you mentioned. Trone would be using them as two key men to pick up others, but Mayo will be sitting with maybe plans to negate them. So a lot of that, I think both managements, you have to find the balance between getting your matchups right and shaping your team to negate the opposition but absolutely critical that both teams set themselves out to put their own best foot forward and I think to their credit Mayo have always done that Mayo have always backed themselves went toe-to-toe and took teams on uh, and I think Tyrone done that in, in the semi-final against Kerry so there will be two or three critical matchups on either side the likes of Ryan O'Donoghue obviously the, the, the level he's scoring at has to be marked the likes of Kevin McLaughlin for me is such a creative force in the Mayo side has to be marked the likes of Matthew Ruan done such damage from midfield he has to be negated but lots of other critical critical players the likes of Connor Loftus the, the likes of Jermud, the likes of Paddy Dirk and those attacking backs that they've got, they all need covered. But you can't go out to man-mark everybody. You have to play your own game. So it'll be a matter of picking up two or three. And as you say, then after that, the, the game is going to be mayhem. It's going to be like a wildfire out there, breaking out all over the place. Things need seen and stopped. Uh, and that's what makes it so intriguing for, for everybody coming in. There's just so many permutations. You cannot get a handle on this game with any sort of reliable confidence. Absolutely. Even trying to analyse the kickouts end of, in terms of uh, Niall Morgan's capabilities, he's well-renowned as kicker, but struggled last time out, whereas Rob Henley had a fine day. Uh, how do you see the kickout strategies going? Yeah, so again, I, I see it as a real... Uh, blur of both high presses happening at times and then loose kickouts. I don't think both teams will be able to operate a high press all of the time, but I think both teams will want to put pressure on the opposition kickouts. Then it comes down to those contested longer balls uh, in the middle. I think Tyrone, a lot of it was made that Tyrone got, got caught out on the longer ball the last day, but they scored heavily off the ones that they won, so there's still a big value for that because even if they lose a long ball kickout, they're still well set up defensively uh, and they showed that with their turnover so I, I think the long kickout will dominate uh, and Trone do I think have a wee bit of stronger aerial supremacy in the middle third uh, but what will have frustrated the Trone management and I imagine will have got a wee bit of attention was we, we got cleaned out for want of a better word on terms of breaking ball which is an old fashioned concept in this era of brilliant kickouts but I think the likes of the, the second phase possession the break ball possession 
possession needs to be won. Wow. You've, you have me excited already looking ahead to this. Would you keep Max Shane on the bench, Enda, or would you be tempted to spring him after his unbelievable cameo? He's really, really hitting form after working so hard to get back from injury. Yeah, if, if McShane was fully fit, without a shadow of a doubt, I would start him. I think the throne team looks better, looks better balanced uh, and carries a much bigger threat if McShane's starting. But 70, 80 minutes at county level is so hard to physically sustain. You, we, We've seen that in the semi-finals with players going down with cramp, players that had full games under their belts. McShane hasn't had a full game under his belt in probably over a year, maybe two years. So to ask him to play a full game in the Ireland final, if he was fully fit without a... Without a doubt, I'd be starting him. But he cannot have a full, full game in him. And this game is going to come down to the wire. Mm. You need your best team finishing. And for Trone, that means Callum McShane needs to be there at the finish. So if there's any doubt that he can sustain 80 minutes, then you have to keep him in, in, in reserve. Which brings me to my, my last uh, communication with you. And I'm presuming there's free homework weekend for all involved up there. But on that note then, just to finish off, and uh, McShane, Derek Hanavan, these guys... Is that the sector you feel can get Tyrone across the line to a famous win at the weekend? It, it, is, it, it is a strength I think Tyrone have over Mayo. So the, the two benches for me are actually both very strong. A lot has been made of the Tyrone, the impact off the Tyrone bench. And when people are talking about impact, they're talking about the actual scores that the bench is getting. Tyrone has done really well through them men that you've mentioned. Mayo have really strong men coming off the bench too, but they they tend to be the runners coming through the middle. The likes of Jordan Flynn, uh, the likes of James Carr, them men have come on. Darren Cohen is obviously a score that come in from them. But from a Tyrone point of view, come the last 15, 20 minutes, you're putting on shooters as such people to get critical scores and people that would be confident getting critical scores whereas Mayo will be putting on real energy in the middle third so there's a slight difference there for me I'd be happier with what Tyrone have to bring in because of the potential for them to really impact the game on the scoreboard which is what it but this game like it's going to be so tight the likelihood of that somebody's going to be standing over a free kick in the last minute to either draw the game or to win the game like obviously Dublin have won one with Dean Rock and Cluxton famously with the free kicks this game is that tight it could well come down to that too and again with Killian O'Connor out that's a lot of pressure on, on, on Ryan O'Donoghue potentially I'm heading straight to Croke Park to, to get warmed up myself after listening to that and uh, thank you so much for your chat today and for all your help on the Championship this season No problem Damien that was Enda McGinley there. Now we move straight over uh, to Keith Higgins for our final outing on the tactics board this season. And Keith, um, everything that Enda says about Tyrone applies to Mayo. You're just as strong. You're just as good. You're just as equally equipped on the bench, in my opinion. And that's what makes this game so appealing. Absolutely, Damien. Yeah, I think... Um the one line Enda came up with there, he said, you know, it's it's impossible to get a handle on this game and, and really call it without a kind of a real air of confidence. It's just, there's so many kind of areas in the pitch where both teams are very, very well matched. Um, you know, he went through some of the matchups there, like, and, you know, trying to put your piece of paper down here and put the matchups on it and where, where they'll go and who will mark who. It's, uh, it's really, really intriguing. You know, I think if it was a case of, Tyrone playing Dublin or Mayo playing Kerry, you'd have the two or three matchups straight away and you'd know who'd be on who. But this one is just, you know, it could be carnage there in the middle third and that's I suppose, what makes it so interesting. <laughs> Speaking of carnage, have the guys and the players been left alone um, at home for the past three weeks, Keith? Because uh, I'm sure after that epic semi-final win, um, things got a bit excitable. I just got the feeling that night from the team that they were ready to park that soon afterwards. Have they been allowed to do that? 
Yeah, I think obviously in the first few days there was there was huge excitement after the Dublin game, just I suppose given the fact that it was Dublin, extra time, um, you know, coming from six or seven points down. So in the aftermath of it, you know, there was huge excitement. I think then the whole thing with the Tyrone Kerry semi final, there being the delay a week, all the talk of what was going on in Tyrone, um, probably kind of took the the attention off Mayo a small bit, which is probably a good thing. Um, you know, it was very low key. There was very little talk coming out of the camp about what was going on over the last number of weeks. But you can feel it now in the last three or four days. Things are beginning to ramp up again. You know, all the excitement is there, all the talk of tickets, all the talk of who's going to play and all that. So, um, yeah, there was probably, I wouldn't say a bit of a lull, but it was quiet there for mm. a couple of weeks, which is no harm, I think. Mm. Um, I think it's good just let the players get down to business, do what they have to do over the weeks and, and let them prepare in the right way. I know you were kept busy with um, your return to Crow Park with the hurling team, Keith, but just for yourself personally, how strange or has it been difficult for you to spill up uh, just not being part of it? It's been a, a fresh, a kind of a few months since you were not with the panel. It's not that long ago is the point I'm trying to make. No, exactly. It was, it was just last December we were preparing for an Ireland final, albeit in, in very different circumstances due to COVID. But look, um, you know, I've it's funny I've been talking to a few of the boys here, the male lads here who would have retired as well recently or in the last couple of years and you know, I were saying you know, you'd love to be a part of it, um, for the build up to be out there playing because I suppose, you know, the, the semi final against Dublin it was hard to enjoy it in a way because you were bagging nerves up in the yeah. stand, you know, you have so much it's so much easier being out on the pitch because you have a bit of control on it. But look, there's no point saying I'm you know, you'd miss it, you don't want to be out there, but at the same time um, you have to realise a 36-year-old player, Keith Higgins, would have no business being out there. So, um, you know, that's the reality of happy with the decision and, you know, looking forward to hopefully sitting up and standing and trying to enjoy it a bit more on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people would argue you'd still have a role to play, Keith, but you left nothing behind and there's, no, there's nothing sure than that. Uh, just to move on to the game then itself, um, I look at the turnovers that Tyrone... Um, forced the last day but I also look at the turnovers that Mayo forced I look at Rob Henley and the redemption that he's enjoyed so far his kick out strategy and I just feel to myself that this Mayo side has come a long way in a short time and I principally mean the younger players Keith who has impressed you most in that kind of um, emergence? Yeah absolutely I think you know there's this they're nearly kind of a different breed, some of these young guys coming in. You know, they've, they've shown absolutely no fear over the last 12, 18 months since since James has blooded a lot of them. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of talk last year, like Savoshin and Owen McLaughlin, um, Tommy. But I think in fairness, you have to look at Ryan O'Donoghue this year, the way he stepped up, especially with Killian gone. He's kind of embraced that responsibility of being the free taker, of being one of the main forwards there. He's looked very lively and very sharp in, I suppose, all the games. He's demanding to get on the ball he wants to be on the ball he wants to try and set the tone of things you even see some of the turnovers he got himself there in the second half against Dublin um, I'm not sure who it was he kind of hit with his shoulder then got a tackle on James McCarthy to, to turn the ball over for a Mayo score late in the game so in fairness I think you have to look at Ryan as probably the standout guy so far this year in mostly in terms of attitude in terms of taking that responsibility on his shoulders given the loss of Killian uh, A lot of attention on Aidan O'Shea the last day I mean it's, it's, it's probably a bit over the top in my opinion Keith um, without question he starts that game doesn't he? Absolutely absolutely I think someone asked me there last week do they think he'll be he'll start or he'll be kept in reserve and uh, I think it's you know, people kind of question just after one bad game against Dublin. Look, the Dublin game didn't suit him. He he did an off day. He'd be the first to admit it. But like you said, there a lot of the attention Aiden gets is way over the top. Yeah. I mean, I think for 
the Tyrone game could suit him. I think if Mayo play him around that middle third where they probably will, whether it's centre forward or midfield, that's where Aiden will have his biggest influence. That's where he has had some of his biggest influences on games. You know, I know people talk about some of the scores he's put up when he's in full forward, but Aiden O'Shea is one of Mayo's best tacklers. Um, like I said, given this was, I used the word carnage earlier, given the carnage that could be around that middle third, a lot of bodies there, that's where you want your physically imposing players and that's where we'll get the best out of Aiden. So without question, Aiden starts. I suppose the only question is whether it's at centre forward or midfield and again, depending on where he goes, I suppose the last couple of questions of the Tyrone defence. Um, discipline you mentioned Keith and discipline from a mental side of things as well is important for Mayo I guess uh, is there any fear in Mayo that um, carrying the ball into the Tyrone rearguard Tyrone rear will uh, be a, a negative for you guys and is there any fear that maybe the mistakes that Kerry had would be replicated this weekend by Mayo yeah again I think there's a bit of talk about that I think probably well documented after the, the Tyrone Kerry game the amount of turnovers Tyrone got and the reasons behind it and where they were getting the turnovers and look I suppose anytime you're playing Tyrone you kind of expect them to have numbers back around kind of the 45 um, top of the D area so you know what to expect you, you hope that Mayo would have learned the lessons um, that they will look to I suppose maybe do what Dublin did back in 18 and kind of play down the wings um, a bit more and try and keep the ball out of that centre channel where Tyrone wants you to play. Um, so look, is there a fear there? I wouldn't call it a fear. I suppose it's just kind of um, and maybe a slight concern that the, you know the Tyrone kind of suck you into that type of a game. But again, given the fact that we may have had four weeks, um, about two weeks in the la- to prepare for Tyrone, know what's expected, that they'll have worked on that. So um, you know, I think that's a key area. Look, you mentioned there earlier about Robbie as well. And I suppose... The impact he had in the semi-final, I think Tyrone will probably look to target him at times. Do you know whether it's from a set play and they'll push up in the kickout? Um, I don't think they'll push all the time. I think they'll probably give Mayo a lot of the kickouts from play, uh, from open play, um, and just sit back and let Mayo carry the ball. They've done that previously between in league games down over the years and have got good success out of it. So again, I think that will be a key issue. Um, and be interested to see what Tyrone do on their kickout. Do they try and go long again like they did against Kerry, even though they got limited success out of it? So. You know, like there's so many, okay. so many areas in this you could be looking at, and you know, even the matchups are just crazy trying to pick them all out. Keith, thank you so much for your help all year long. Really enjoyed your insight. It's great to have somebody like you with us on the show. Um, I won't say enjoy the game on Sunday because I'm not so <laughs> sure that's possible. But just our Saturday, I beg your pardon. But uh, just to wish you guys luck. Uh, same with Tyrone. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next season. Please God. Thanks very much, Damien. Yeah, appreciate it. Okay, Keith. That was Keith Higgins there uh, on the tactics board, the final one of the season. And that's it for the show this weekend and, in fact, this season as well. The programme was produced today by Damien O'Mara. Kieran Dunn was in sound. From myself, Damien Lawler, stay safe. Thanks for listening all summer long. We really hope you enjoyed the insight and content and talk to you soon again. Please, God.